Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. This, this is RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. A very good morning to Silverstone and the latest visit of the World Endurance Championship together with the European Le Mans series and also support categories from the FIA Formula 3 International Championship. It is there where we start here on uh, RS1 and delighted to say that we've got the full team here this weekend at Silverstone. Uh, my name's Johnny Palmer. I'll be introducing Joe Bradley very shortly and possibly a spot of Paul Trustwell as well. So the first session is 40 minutes of FIA Formula 3 and there are several free practice sessions through the course of today. Qualifying is later on as well. Lots to look forward to then from all three categories. And the big qualifying day tomorrow for WEC and ELMS uh, throughout their succession of sessions. A four-hour race to look forward to tomorrow. Two in the European Le Mans Series Championship. And the WEC, their six hours of Silverstone kicking off at midday on Sunday afternoon. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. So welcome along. It is a lovely day here at Silverstone. Possibly a little breeze in the air and some light overhanging cloud. But otherwise, um, we've had some rain recently in the UK after a prolonged um, period of, of bright sunshine and sometimes plus 30 degrees Celsius. It's cooled off a little bit since then. Uh, but uh, Silverstone looks fantastic. Great to have the World Endurance Championship back again when for... A period of time when the super season was announced, uh, we weren't even going to come here. And obviously this is a radical date change from earlier on uh, in well, recent history of the WEC when it's been an April date. We're kind of going back, though, to the initial year, 2012, when that was an August visit for the ELMS and the WEC. Paul Trosswell has a set of headphones on, so he's willing to take active part, I'm delighted to tell you. <laughs> well, I just thought, uh, I thought I'd join in because uh, it is beautiful. It's a beautiful sunny morning here at Silverstone. And uh, yes, we had a lot of rain yesterday. Uh, and I think, in fact, all that will have done is just a help situation because it will have cleared the track of any uh, detritus and muck that might have got onto it. Um, and you know, from about lunchtime onwards yesterday, it was a lovely afternoon uh, and uh, a typical sunny Silverstone weekend ahead and uh, yes I'm for one thoroughly looking forward to it Johnny um, particularly because we do have some single seater action as well um, I think there was a point where we were going to have uh, Porsche Super Cup as well on the programme for this but um, that one Porsche Super Cup as well as well but wow. um, that um, couldn't all be, all be organised in time uh, or people were on holiday or something and uh, so as a result we've ended up with three Formula 3 races which uh, really is value for money um, and uh, the first free practice session for those uh, three. We've got two free practice sessions back to back really uh, and those cars just coming out of the pit lane at the moment. We're operating uh, from the wing pits a um, bit of a trek to get down here if you are around the circuit but uh, there are buses uh, providing a service and uh, if you're on the outside of the circuit then uh, yes you get a great view uh, from the grandstands opposite the pits as the cars head out onto this first 
installation lap for the first of the action at Silverstone this weekend. Excellent. So plenty to look forward to. The session already underway. As I say, it's a 40-minute session for the FIA Formula 3 European Championship and free practice one and two coming virtually back-to-back. There will be a five-minute interval, and that is all. So uh, sort of like one long session with a very brief interval indeed. I wonder what the, the mindset will be then for the FIA Formula 3 teams through the course of this. All the usual protagonists are there. Uh, Prima, uh, known as Prima Theodore Racing for this season. Motor Park, Carlin, the British squad are there. High Tech Bullfrog GP likewise. And Van Amersfoort Racing as well from the Netherlands. Uh, the season so far, uh, there have been several championship leaders actually through the course of the year but now we've had I think it's 15 races done already we're here for another three uh, yes it is 15 completed and if I tell you that uh, after one race we had Guan Yuzhu leading the championship it then changed to Sesha Fenestras and he led after the first sequence of races Dan Tictum's had a spell at the top of the championship Enam Ahmed likewise from the BRDC Formula 3 championship stepping up to the European uh, and then Marcus Armstrong started to get into his stride the young Kiwi driver and Marcus has pretty much led the championship from around round seven um, and arrives here with just a point lead having netted 15 points in the previous race so that would have been for third position uh, yeah so leads by a point from Dan Tictum and then there's a slightly larger gap of 12 and a half points back to Ralph Aron and Guan Yu Zhu, former championship leader, in there in fourth place. But it's tough to call this. And obviously, free practice one and two will give us slightly more of an idea of who's likely to be quick on this uh, very historic racetrack. Joe Bradley is to my left as well, a third voice Good from morning. the commentary booth. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, everybody. Just want to concur with what you guys are saying about pulling this meeting uh, further back in the in the summer, the British summertime, to August. Uh, always great news when that broke, that we were going to be here for the World Endurance Championship and supports in August. Always going to be a little bit better, better weather than April, isn't it, in the UK? Uh, two years ago, we saw snow in one of the practice sessions, I remember. I was uh, virtually all white, but uh, that we're, we're not going to see any snow this weekend. Um, Formula 3 out at the moment, FIA European Championship, and I do like, uh, I've always been a big fan of Formula 3, and it's quite rare what we're seeing out on the track, and that's a, a single seat, a non, uh, non-spec formula. Uh, still an open formula. It We've is. got two engines. All right, Delara seems to be the uh, chassis of choice, but you, you could go off and, and use anyone any one chassis who's still uh, manufacturing Formula 3. But um, the sad thing is that this is the final year of the FIA Formula 3 championship in this guise. And um, it's always been, you look back in history and you just look at the history of the, the, you know, the, the top level of the sport and pretty much everybody who's anybody has came through the ranks of Formula 3 in the day. And they're still tending to do so. Uh, you mentioned the battle for the championship, Johnny, and it's, it is so tight. There's only one. There's only one point in it. Marcus Armstrong leads. He's with Prima Theodore with a Mercedes engine, Delara, and Dan Tinkham is one point behind. And Dan is with Motor Park, and he's got a Volkswagen engine, Delara. Mm. I think that's mega. Yeah, I mean, it's fabulous that they can be so even with two, probably not radically different engines, but uh, nevertheless from two very different manufacturers. And we have had in the past, I think, three different engine suppliers 
in the F in the F3s. Um, but as you say, it is technically open chassis. It's just that uh, every team sees no point in going any other way but Dallara. But I remember we had domes in the past and Miguel's possibly Wolf. too. Yes, we're going back a long, long way. Uh, what was that Spanish? Um, How far back are we going? Not not that far actually. Okay. Um, Escari Epsilon. Did yes, they, they, made, um, they made a F3 chassis, didn't they? Uh, yes, uh, yeah, uh, Barazzi Epsilon. Um, yeah. They were, they made a Formula Renault chassis, certainly. I'm not sure whether they made an F3. They might have done. Might have tried. Yes, yeah. uh, but the Epsilon uh, Renault chassis, that's actually the year that Alex... Um, uh, Alex Lynn. Alex Lynn won right. for British Formula Renault in the year that that became a new chassis, rather than the Tatius chassis and um i mean the cars were so difficult for the teams to get their heads around in terms of setup yeah they were maybe a little bit too technical and they were and parts not necessarily up to standard in places too but so actually that that championship win for alex lynn um underrated i think because of what he was up against that season you've got to go back a long way and you remember this paul you've got to go back more than 20 years i think before uh, you before the Delara became the chassis of choice in Formula Three. Can you remember, Paul, when Delara's appeared? I think it was Warren Hughes who was the first driver with. Yeah, I forget the team. And, was, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it became like a single single it did. Uh, chassis because it did. everybody wanted everybody wanted the new everybody Delara. Everybody wanted to win. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, going back and especially in the uh, uh, 60th anniversary of uh, Lola, Lola made for F3 chassis. You had Reynards, of course, uh, and even Van Diemen made F3 chassis back in back in the days. Um, but uh, a, a brief. Um, period of full course yellow out there but now we're back to uh, full course green and uh, at the top of the list at the moment is driver of car number 44 Yuri Vips in the uh, motor park car uh, a 155.410 just a tenth of a second quicker than fellow motor park driver Dan Tictum in number 27 he's second fastest and then third fastest making it a motor park 123 is Sebastian Fernandez uh, uh, who's in a 159.360. He's just off the pace at the moment. And then uh, the first of the Carlin cars is the number nine car of Johan Deruvela. Uh, and he has set a time uh, of 159.447. And then Mick Schumacher, number four, suddenly goes quickest of all. Uh, Mick, who had his first win in this series... Uh, Seems like only yesterday, but it was the last race that I was at at the uh, Spa 24 Hour supporting ah. race. Uh, highly delighted. And uh, first of all, we had a Schumacher on pole at uh, at Spa, which was quite good news, and then ended up with uh, a Schumacher winning. Um, so Mick getting into the winning um, uh, into the winning habit at Spa in the last time out for these cars. Um, I think that was the last time out for them. Yes, uh, it was. And yep. uh, having said he was quickest. Um, when I started that sentence, of course, this being Formula 3, um, a few moments later, he's now fourth quickest because three uh, three other cars have gone more quickly. So um, I think we'll probably have to pause on giving you times because they're just coming through quicker and quicker all the time. Marcus Armstrong has gone quickest of all, though, now with 154.020, Johnny. Yes, Jürgen Vips, the 18-year-old from Tallinn in Estonia. He is yet to win this year, but we've had many different winners. The season started, by the way, in Poe. In France, and that was towards um, the start of the year. Uh, I think it was March, actually, that the season kicked off. I'll check that in a moment. But we've had wins for Guan Yu Zhu, Sasha Fenestras and Ralph Aron. And then the championship moved to Hungaro Ring. 
Uh, Dan Tictum taking his first victory of the season and then a double from Inam Ahmed. Good to see that he's carrying the number 65 race number on from the BRDC Formula 3 Championship that he did last year in the UK and retains that race number in this European series. On to Norris Ring, supporting the DTM around the streets of Nuremberg and uh, Marcus Armstrong took his first victory of the season there. Yuri Vips has won a race. I beg your pardon. He won the second Norris Ring race of the weekend. So Yuri Vips initially setting the pace in this session and uh, has already tasted the champagne on the top step of the podium uh, for, for race eight of the year. Another win for Dan Tictum also around the streets at Norris Ring. Then on to Zamvoort, close to the beach in uh, north western Holland and Ralph are on with a couple of wins there together with Nikita, Nikita Troitsky rather and then Jahan de Ruvela took a first season win at Spa-Francorchamps followed by Dan Tictum and as we say Mick Schumacher winning race 15 of the championship it sounds like there is some movement I, down in the pit lane I do believe we can connect with Binksy Diana Binks who's our pit lane reporter down there Diana Binks Enjoying the summer weather here at Silverstone Dyke. Good morning, gentlemen, and to all our listeners this morning. Yes, I am in the pit lane at the wing section here at Silverstone. Um, I've got to say, though, for the first time in a long time, I have socks on. Full combat gear in the pit lane. It's a little bit cooler this morning down here, I think, because this wing building is so tall, you don't actually get the sun here at the moment. But there's a lot of activity down here. The Formula three teams are the FIA Formula three teams are all here the cars as you know are out on track it's quite relaxed at the moment everyone's watching the times just sort of seeing what their drivers are doing and uh, it's at the minute they're obviously just you know finding up that setup and getting used to the the conditions out there on the track which is the first sort of cars on the track this morning so it's quite green Thank you, Binksy. And we'll be hearing plenty more from you uh, during and during this session and later sessions today as well. Remember, it's just a five-minute pause and then we get another 40-minute session underway. Had 10 minutes of this one then and it's now Dan Tictum who tops the times, going quicker than anybody else through each of the sectors. Dan Tictum's total time, 1, 5, uh, 1 minute 52.428 rather. So a smidge over 1 minute 52 and that's brought the best time down by actually quite a large margin, nearly a second, because Mick Schumacher now slots into second fastest. Uh, third quickest is the number 39 car of Alex Palu of Spain for high-tech Bullfrog GP. And then the two two more Prima Theodore racing cars, uh, Ralph Aron, fourth fastest, and Marcus Armstrong, the championship leader, is fifth quickest. He's currently the fastest rookie driver as well in car number eight. Yeah, I think we're going to see them out there, Johnny, 40-minute session with a five-minute break before we go into another 40-minute session. That doesn't really avail them of any real time for any kind of major setup changes. We're not going to see any cars being put on flatbeds. Or maybe we are. Maybe, we, you know, the team's very experienced here at the front of this Formula 3 field, so they'll have a lot of data from racing here in previous years. And then it's just really tweaking the tyres for things like the for the tyre to work on today's prevailing ambient and track temperatures and I think they'll they'll have started this session not far off obviously the the temperature the ambient temperature and the track temperature will rise as the day continues um, but we're not racing yet we're only practicing we're not qualifying until this afternoon and and I think we'll be looking towards um, getting the cars performing at their utmost and we've, we're seeing that we're seeing cars 
as they circulate, going faster and faster pretty much every single lap. They're gaining the odd hundredth, the odd tenth as they make their way around. Uh, still with Dan Tickdom, as you said, Johnny, 1 minute 52.428 uh, in difference to the uh, Aberdeen, uh, 152.874. Both motor park cars working very well, though. And top rookie, in fact, is uh, Aberdeen. And he is just under the half a second, but very close to him. First of the Carling, uh, the, sorry, the Carlin cars is the Ferdinand Habsburg-driven car. He's on a 52.875, literally only a thousandth of a second difference between second and third. Typical F3, nip and tuck, isn't it? It's very, very fine margins, although four-tenths of a second to be fastest by is a significant chunk. Much more like it from second fastest down to, well... 12th, 13th position, perhaps. Uh, so Dan Tictum seems to have the measure at the moment um, over his rivals. 24 cars currently circulating, by the way. And that's about the number that has been present in the championship through the course of the year. Give or take a few. Uh, Guan Yu Zhu taking the first victory of the season. Only 12th fastest, but only 0.8 of a second off Tictum's time. And more crucially, four-tenths of a second off the bulk of that mid-pack. Although, all of a sudden, Inam Ahmed uh, slots into second-fastest and manages to find a further tenth on the Aberdyne time. So, car 23 is being driven by Jonathan Aberdyne from South Africa. And he's driving a Delara with a Volkswagen engine, uh, 20 years old. But not really a big surprise to see two Brits who have former experience of this circuit out front at the moment. Ticked him by a quarter of a second from actually now Ferdinand Habsburg, who uh, all of a sudden goes against my theory. Ferdinand Habsburg, the young Austrian driver slotting between Tictum in car 27 and Ahmed in 65. I seem to remember that uh, Ferdinand is actually part of the Habsburg dynasty, isn't he, Johnny? He is. Um, those, those of you um, who paid attention at school, um, the Habsburg dynasty, which uh, was um, part of the founding of, of Austria uh, in the uh, in, in the 18th century, I think. And um, yeah, so uh, Ferdinand uh, certainly comes from uh, a big family. Andrew Marriott's about to tell me something about Ferdinand Habsburg. Um, the eldest son. He's hang on, he's the, hang on, Andrew. Uh, go on. Yeah. Uh, Andrew's uh, first, good. welcome, Andrew Marriott, another <laughs> member of the team, just sneaking in here. Well, good morning, everyone. I haven't even had breakfast yet, but oh, I just thought, because I, I know Ferdinand and he's a great guy, and he's a bit of in a way, he's sort of the the Johnny Dumfries of Austria, if you will. Okay, right. Um, but he is the eldest son of the House of Habsburg Lorraine. His grandfather renounced um, title to the Austrian throne in 1961. I, I, but, I mean, it, it all goes back to the Austro-Hungarian Empire and all that. It's yes. one, one of the most famous families in the whole of Europe. But he is a super nice guy. He lives in London, although he's born in Salzburg. And he came into this season as one of the favourites. And we've had ten different winners this season, and he hasn't been one of them. And he just, I don't know what's happened to him. We saw him at Daytona, remember, yeah, yeah. driving for Jota. He was terrific. Yeah. Went really yeah. well. And yeah, so I, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on him. He's uh, he's 
Uh, I think Johnny mentioned him when he was in second place, yeah. but uh, such has been the way that the times have come down. So got 20 minutes of this free practice session but, to go. Uh, he's now down to fifth fastest uh, because of various improvements around him. But it's still Dan Tictum uh, up at the top of the list, though, with Yuri Vips uh, behind him now second with 152.287, just six hundredths of a second behind. Just to round off yes, the uh, Ferdy, story. Ferdy uh, Habsburg. I don't the... think you'll ever round off the Habsburg story. No, you wouldn't. Um, he is, of course, managed by Jamie Campbell-Walter. Is he? Okay. Yes. Right. So, uh, uh, and, and are we allowed to call him Ferdy, or is that a little bit too I think, disrespectful? No, no, I think he's, he's a really nice chap. I think he'd be happy with that. Happy but, with um, Ferdy. Yep. Seventh in the championship last year, and a winner last year. So... I'm not sure what's gone on, really, because he's with a good team. Um, is, it, was, is it because Formula 3 is just so close, do you think? I would have thought somebody with that experience. I mean, yeah. Okay. I don't know. There's, something's happened. Yep. Okay. Something's happened, and maybe he's, he's got it sorted now. Maybe he's changed his engineer. I'm going down the pits um, for the next session of Formula 3. So Hopefully you can, you can communicate with me down the Heritage pits. I'm more at home down there. <laughs> and... Um, Maybe I can get an interview with him, find Brilliant. out uh, why he hasn't been quite performing the way we expected. But maybe right. this is the big turning point this weekend. Well, we'll certainly look forward to that, uh, Andrew. Thank you very much indeed. Go and get yourself some breakfast first. Uh, can't have you uh, operating without uh, without having had some uh, reasonable breakfast. Um, and not very many of them have actually been into the pit. So uh, if Andrew is going to get a word, he's going to have to be sharpish on his toes down there. Uh, only four cars over the course of the whole session have been into the pit, Mick Schumacher uh, having been one of them in car number four and Mick having been uh, fastest at one point uh, has also been one of those drivers who slipped down as other people have improved uh, and is now only eighth although uh, Johnny Palmer mentioned at the beginning of the session this is a uh, 40 minute session uh, and we're about 20 minutes through it and I think we're coming to that kind of half time point where uh, a lot of drivers are now coming into the pits um, either for a slight setup change or happy with the setup just for a new set of tyres and then going out to see what they're capable of um, I'm just echoing what uh, Johnny was saying as well earlier on about uh, British drivers to the fore. I think that is perhaps to be expected, uh, this being Silverstone and a lot of them's home circuit where they'll have driven a lot before. But on the other hand, I suspect what we'll see as the sessions go on is everybody else getting a little bit quicker. And as that slight sheen of dampness, the little bit of dew which we had on the circuit first thing this morning, as that gets um, worn away, I think we'll get times getting faster and faster. And I think... Uh, as I was just saying to Andrew, I think Johnny will see uh, overall just tenths of a second separating a large, uh, a large amount of the uh, of the field. Let's get a little bit of news again from Diana Bix, who's down in the pit lane for us. I'm joined by Mick Kouros from Fortec Motorsports, team manager here this weekend. Mick, you've uh, you've not contested all of the rounds of the championship, but you're here back this weekend. Um, early start this morning. How are things going for you? Uh, things going okay. Uh, Petru hasn't done any testing on these tyres pre-season and he's uh, still learning the tyre and learning the car. So we're, we're looking all right. We're uh, at the back at the moment, but we're doing our best to work our way up. He's in the number five car, but Mick, we know you've got a lot of experience. The team have got a lot of history. What do you give to the driver when he comes into a situation like this where you say the tyres are very important, he's not tested them yet? What advice have you been giving him? Uh, we try and give him a lot of confidence in learning and understanding the actual tyre and what he needs to do to extract the best from the tyre when the tyre is ready to deliver its best performance. How difficult is it at the start of the morning where it's you know the track's pretty green, everyone's dialing themselves in? 
it's quite difficult at the moment because we're all running on old tyres from previous events. It won't be until the second part of free practice two that we'll all run on new tyres and that's when they'll get a better feel for the actual track and tyre. Now this is a home event, not for yourself obviously, but for the team. What does it mean to be back at Silverstone? Oh, it's great to be back at Silverstone. The team loves being here. We've won quite a lot of races here and always had very good results. This is a very competitive championship, isn't it? What are your expectations for the weekend? Oh, I think if we can be around position 17 or 18 would be a good job for us. Anything better than that would be a bonus. Thanks for the moment, Mick. Thanks. Diana Binks and uh, plenty more interviews to come through the course of this session and indeed the day with uh, various other categories but uh, f3 is what we're concentrating on at the moment the fia formula 3 european championship we mentioned it's uh, in its final year and that is when in 2019 uh, the category will reform effectively and become part of predominantly part of the formula one circus around the world and the theory behind that is that on the same bill therefore you have formula one formula two and formula three but there is word that maybe Formula 3 in the UK will have a little bit of restructuring. Jonathan Palmer's series, the BRDC F3 Championship, exists currently. Uh, but Gerhard Berger telling Palmer, as far as I can read from various articles, that uh, if that series is to continue into 2019, it will have to drop the Formula 3 uh, segment of the title. And plenty of people are now interested in sort of getting British F3 back to where it, it used to be, which was always a championship that uh, a single-seater driver had to have on their CV. Uh, well, absolutely. And I, there's a piece of me that, that welcomes the fact that we seem at last to be getting back to uh, a logical sequence, which has Formula 1 at the top of the tree, Formula 2 second as the feeder series, and Formula 3 below that as a feeder series. Because... Most people can understand Formula 1, Formula 2, Formula 3. And um, I remember, I'm old enough to remember when Formula 3000 was invented. And I thought, and there were lots of people who agreed with me at the time, um, that 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 made no sense at all to drop the Formula 2 uh, moniker in order to call it Formula 3000. I could see the reasons for calling it Formula 3000, but it wasn't a logical thing. We then had a proliferation, and we have had a proliferation of various other single-seater categories which have come in big, powerful uh, single-seater categories which take a lot of driving and a lot of skill to drive. Um, and um, they've kind of been and to an extent now gone. And I uh, welcome the fact that we're getting back to a Formula 1, 2, 3. What I am still deeply concerned about, though, is the fact that there's a lot of other kind of series dotted, dotted, dotted around which make it less clear what the ladder is for uh, young drivers coming up through the, uh, through the field. Having said that... I think it's important, and especially on a weekend like this, when we've got uh, a lot of sports car racing and GT cards um, here, that there are a lot of other opportunities for young aspiring drivers to go. Uh, you know, th- th- there was a time where <clears throat> Formula One was the only game in town, but in those days there could have been up to 40 seats in a Formula One um, field. Yeah. Now, when there's only 20 seats in a Formula One field, uh, you need to have other options for your career. Uh, and the fact that there are GT series out there and there are um, smaller prototypes, whether you're in the LMP3 classes or uh, going up into LMP2, there's a, there's a lot more for a young driver to aspire to if maybe he decides that single-seaters isn't hit the way for him to go. It used to be, Paul, that you would never be considered for that kind of top level of Formula 2, Formula 1. 
without Formula 3 experience because yeah, yeah. the training ground was Formula Ford. That taught you all about mechanical grip and you didn't have to disappear up your backside with regards to how you introduced aero to that. Then after you'd mastered that, then you would move into Formula 3 where you then had slicks and wings and how to deal with the slick tyres and then the aero when you were engineering the car with your engineer. And without Formula 3 experience, you just weren't considered. Now, like you say, that kind of... Uh, gaining of experience can be spread over absolutely all sorts and all forms of it. You can even yeah, yeah. consider GT3 yeah, yeah, no, racing, absolutely. you know, to, to uh, teach uh, out about, out of, uh, all about uh, the arrow of a car. Very much so, and it also provides opportunities for drivers to then make a professional career out of it, which is uh, the other thing they want to do if they get into driver coaching or as a, uh, a, a team and driver in GT, then they can... Uh, make money out of uh, racing and, if they're good enough. And I hope this comes across correctly, but it's the, the turnaround at the top level of the sport in Formula One has slowed down considerably over the last 30 years for the right reasons because of increased safety. Um, so you don't get, a, I mean, a, a Formula One career would be five, six seasons and then they would get out of there. Now it's 20 years. Let's head to the pit lane once again. Yes, I have found a young man that uh, whose heart of the matter is still in those single-seater racing machines. Uh, Oliver Webb is. I'm joining him. He's outside his garage. You obviously couldn't. You couldn't keep away, Ollie, could you? You're out here watching what's going on this morning. Obviously, ex-British F3 racer, um, single-seater guy that have come through the ranks like some of these guys are trying to do. Now you're in sports cars. We know you're here for the WEC this weekend. Um, but what's going through your mind standing here in the pit lane? Yeah, it's great to watch these guys out on track and um, Formula 3 was one of my favourite years ever and driving around Silverstone and getting podiums and, and wins in these things was, was great fun. I'm not sat in the middle of a car for a long time unless it's been in testing, so we're always slightly to one side in these LMP things, but um, it's great and it's amazing to see the times they're doing as well um, around here, obviously downforce related circuit and it's, uh, yeah, it's just making me, uh, making me stare at them and want to jump back in one. You're not allowed in one today, I'm afraid. <laughs> um, Oliver, just tell us what's going through these guys' minds. It's the first practice session here at Silverstone. What's the mindset? How would you how would you have approached it? Yes, yeah, so obviously they won't have been back here for quite a while. The track's been resurfaced since they would have last been here, even if they've been testing, because it's quite recently they've resurfaced it for MotoGP. So it'll be about getting back into the rhythm of things. Um, obviously they've all just come in now and uh, some of them changing tyres, but getting back into the rhythm of things, it's only first practice, so making sure that the car's in one piece at the end of it, getting some mileage in and um, yeah, getting kind of a base setup to work on so that in the next session uh, they can start to work towards a quality setup. When you've got that base set up and, and say if you're a rookie here, how difficult is it then to keep making progress so that you're going quicker, you're comfortable and the car feels balanced? Yeah, here's quite a technical track for uh, for that, really. Experience means a lot here. Um, it's a very, very different track to, say, like a Monaco, but it has similar aspects in the sense that experience is key around here. It, you have such fast-flowing corners linked into such technical parts. Here, turn one will be flat for them and then straight into two of the tightest hairpins on the whole calendar for them. So it's a very tough track to master. So making sure you do all your laps, just like when you're in Monaco, is a key factor. So... Yes, pushing and trying to get a setup, but making sure you don't go that step too far. It's quite forgiving here with the runoff, but um, that said, every single lap's going to make them go quicker and quicker and quicker. So you very much have to be completely focused and have a, have a real understanding of your car before you get to this one. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and a lot of these teams have four, five, six cars with, with Carlin and Motorpark and, and Prima. So they have the experience and they have that wealth of knowledge and that data from previous people in previous years and some very talented guys. Obviously, most of the Formula One guys will come up through these ranks. So 
they'll be able to learn as much as they can before actually arriving here, but then obviously nothing compares to the real thing, and that's the experience of actually driving it. What's the biggest challenge these guys will face? Is it going to be the, the grid, the weather, or the tyres? Well, if it was the year before last, it would have been the snow. But uh, no, I think this year we're blessed with a, with a nice British summer. So uh, um, here it's just more the technicality of the track. You can be amazing in the high-speed stuff and Cops and Maggots and Beckets, but if your car setup isn't isn't ideal in the uh, in the slow-speed stuff, then it's not going to be great. I remember um, the last time we were here uh, against John Eric Vernon and me, and we were like a hundredth off each other in qualifying. I was on pole and he was second. And... We were completely different in different sectors. Our car was mega good in the slow speed stuff and his car and car was mega good in the high speed stuff. So it's about getting the balance right, not only for quality, but then making sure it lasts in degradation throughout the race. In your words, how would you describe Silverstone? Amazing. <laughs> it's my favourite track. I mean, I've been here three times a week, every single week for the last seven weeks since Le Mans. Um, both driver coaching and testing and uh, I never get bored of it. I mean, it's a six-hour round trip for me from Manchester, so uh, the fact that I'm here every other day is, uh, and I still keep coming back. Here in Spa are just tracks that just keep pulling you back when you're in these kind of cars. I think they should give you a rented space here so you don't have to leave. <laughs> yeah, I need my own garage. <laughs> Oliver, thanks so much for talking to us. No doubt we'll catch up with you over the weekend. It's a long weekend. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thanks very I much. I, th I think Oliver, Oliver Rowland's the only person or the first person that I've ever heard compare Silverstone to Monaco. Um, but uh, Ollie <laughs> Webb, not Ollie Rowland. That was Ollie Webb, was it? Yes. Oh, sorry. Um, one's Yorkshire, one's uh, Man very much Manchester. Yeah, I've got, got the wrong side of the Pennines. I do apologise. <laughs> oh, yes, I, I know, it's, um, I know it's important to people that, that by the, side. By the way, we, Diana talked about uh, Ollie Webb doing British Formula 3. That was the year that Jean-Éric Vern won the championship, 2010, with James Collado second. And Ollie Webb coming through, that was a good year, particularly as all three have gone on into the WEC now. Which is exactly what we were saying about how, how, how drivers, young drivers, then spread out. Before, yeah. it was kind of a funnel effect, wasn't it? They, they only had their sights on, on Formula One. Now, they're across uh, endurance racing, sports cars, single-seaters, every, everywhere. They just spread uh, out. Less than 10 minutes of this session to go. Uh, just quickly update people of times. Dan Ticknam is <coughs> still the fastest, 151.539. Uh, second fastest is Yuri Vips with a 151.945, car number 44. Third fastest, number 23, jo Jonathan Aberdine with a 152.048. Fourth fastest, number 39, is uh, Alex Palou. Uh, Alex has done a 152.212 in car number 39. And then fifth fastest number four Mick Schumacher uh, and he's done a 152 uh, 152.311 and he's now six fastest six fastest because Marcus Armstrong has just gone quicker than him uh, and he's done a 152.251 the one thing I wanted to say about just going back to this story of the ladder the guy who messed up Formula 3 was Kimi Raikkonen because he was the <laughs> first one to jump into Formula it, didn't he? to to jump straight into Formula One without going into Formula Three, he jumped straight from Formula Renault. Um, the other thing that messed it up for me was this plethora of other categories that we started to have. The um, the kind of Formula, um, what was it, the Renault Three Point Five series, the um, the GP One, um, the um, what was the other big uh, three litre series. Um, there was another oh, uh, Auto GP. Auto, Auto GP. Auto GP. Super League. Super League. And there were all those kind of series. We had the World Cup. Um, um, the, well, yeah, there, there, was, there was the one based on football teams. Yeah, exactly. Which was Super League Formula. Super League. There was A1 Grand Prix, which uh, was 
countries around the world and your driver yeah. had to be from that country. I quite liked A1GP, oh, they, they actually. They were great. They, they, they were all good. Premier F1? The, the problem was that they kind of split the... Um, that they, they split the whole focus away from there being a nice straightforward ladder from karting through Formula Ford into I, Formula I'm going to go further back and tell you where it was disrupted, Paul. Formula First. Well, no, because, because Formula Ford was the, was the go-to starter formula. Um, even you, you didn't even consider carts. I'm talking way back. Formula, Formula First actually was, was, to my mind, a huge improvement. That was a, it was a very valid uh, thing to have because it provided a stepping stone between karting and Formula Ford. Um, it provided. They were awful. They may have been bad cars, <laughs> but they provided. They had synchromesh on them, for goodness sake. I know. They, they, had a, they had an XR3 engine. Um, Johnny wants to interrupt us. We'll have this discussion over lunch. Only to add another voice oh. into the mix this morning We're because Nick Damon joins Hooray. us now from the I, pit lane. I just thought that I'd, I thought my words Premier F1, which got completely ignored by everyone. But I remember the guy who used to run the FA was promoting that, wasn't he? Premier um, F1. Premier F1. It's it called Premier F1. Yeah, they had the. It wasn't called F1. It's called Premier something. And it was um, the kind of chubby teddy bear-looking bloke from the, from the PFA was fronting it, and yeah, you, know, you could tell it was doing well because the best team they could find a delivery up was Leeds United. Um, That's right, because they had some yeah. they had some of these cars. I remember now, Nick, because um, they had some of these cars kind of wheeled out onto the pitch before a football match. Yeah, yeah. And, wasn't, and, 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 it, wasn't that Super League? No, no, no. Super League Formula was kind of, the thing is there were several of them which were very similar. It was called Premier One Grand Prix. Oh, look at that! The back of the brain, and that's all I've got. Obviously, very good. Um, just say hello, everyone. Um, hello, we are here. We're down here in the pits. And one thing I would say is I wasn't here last year, but uh, I was here two years ago. Slight contrasting conditions. Oh, yes. Lack of snow. I mean, I'm here in shirt sleeves. We haven't got to wear fireproofs for this uh, particular one. It's to do with the fact it's August, Nick. Well, that isn't a guarantee, let's be honest. Um, You know, I did did clap my hands very, 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 very much when they announced that this meeting was going to be in August instead of April. And did you have to rearrange your daughter's wedding because of that as well? Uh, No, but my daughter did. (laughs) Uh, Yes, Bruce forgot to rearrange Mauritius, but there we go. Uh, yes, uh, basically that was, that was my, my sum input. I believe may remain the sum input because the, uh, there's no cars in the pits, man. They've all there's one red car. They've all trundled off to go uh, complete laps. Um, there's no, no trundling out there, Nick. They're all flat out, max. Well, out to the they, max. No, they trundle down the pits oh, yeah. and they trundle around the corner and then they go flat out. Okay. I'm trying to work out who's down with you in the pits. It's might, die. Might be Petru Florescu. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Dies in the car. Dies in the car. And Ralph Aron's coming it's, uh, now. It's red. Uh, it's slightly out of my... Uh, it's got a black end to it. Has it got number five on the side? That would, Yes, it has. Yeah, it's uh, Petri Florescu. Well, one thing I did, did notice, because I haven't, obviously haven't seen these cars, because they're 2017 cars, and I, that wasn't it said last year. I said they, they've, uh, they've gone for the full, let's make them look like they're you know, full diffused and everything else. But one thing I have noticed, which is very strange, they've actually, they've actually mandated... You know how they mandate various stickers in various series? Yeah. They've actually mandated how you write the driver's name. Oh, really? The driver's name is written with kind of like a chalkboard first name and a proper surname, but it's the same across all of them. All right. Which is weird. Just confirm I'm right with this one. I'm meandering down to my friend here from the But yeah, there appears to be a kind of a... a or perhaps, actually, I may actually have now misspoke on that front. It may just have been a, a, a one team is doing it the same way, despite the fact, of course, all the cars are sponsored differently. I keep forgetting this is not... This is not the, the ordered world of F1, where everyone has to stay between cars. <laughs> 
The other question I've got actually about this or last year's cars, have they still got D DRS? Because we've had them in the Ooh, past. Let's do have a look. I, mean, I, can, right. I can answer that quite quickly. Uh, uh, do the wings look movable? And the answer is no. Right, it's all fixed, is it? Okay. There's no, no appendages that would, would suggest there's any way of moving them, no. Yay. <laughs> I'm all for that. Yeah, I, it worked. I, I was uh, watching the DTM cars last weekend. They've got DRS and so, sometimes need the, it, arguably, to be able to do the overtaking. But I don't think you should need it around Silverstone. Certainly nice wide circuit. Opportunity for slipstreaming as well. We often do get overtaking, uh, particularly into, into club and down into cops I, as well. I mean, I can understand why they would want to introduce DRS into junior formula because it then gets drivers trained in the mindset of using DRS. But I've never really been a, a fan of DRS. I think it's false. I think it's, you know, you might as well go and play on an arcade game. You know, it's really is. It's not racing. Racing's no. about... You know. I have a uh, gentleman, I have a, a driver that's actually in the pit lane at the moment, Petra Frescu with Fortech Motorsports. Petra, you've been out on the track today. What have you found and what have you learned from those laps? Uh, it's just the first session and uh, I'm trying to, to work out a little bit the fast corners, which are the hardest. But uh, I've raced here last year with the Euro Formula but the tires are different, so uh, I'm trying to find the grip with the handcooks on uh, this circuit. That's, uh, there's a lot of information to be learned there. What did you do to prepare yourself for this weekend? I uh, just went on the sim. I watched some data, some videos. And you're with a great team. All of these guys at Fortec are very experienced. How are they helping you? Yeah, they are very experienced. Mick uh, is my engineer and he helps me a lot with the data. He gives me every time a fast car. Uh, the, the team is really good. Are you feeling comfortable so far? Yeah, I just have to, to work out a bit more. And uh, in the second free practice, I'm looking to, to go much faster because now I, didn't, I was not that fast. <laughs> It'll come. Don't worry. Thanks for talking to us. Yeah, thank you. I wonder what he's got in the bag to make him go a lot faster, as he said there, because, um, you know, these cars are... You haven't really got time to massively change anything other than, say, tyre pressures and wing settings. You know, maybe the, the wind direction change on one of the many straights here at Silverstone. You've got quite a few long straights where the cars will find their legs. But uh, other than that, I think you're, you're out there with the car that you're pretty much going to race, maybe... I know how delicate Formula 3 cars are. For, you know, I remember the days of getting the ride out absolutely perfect uh, when you were working on these cars. Mil a millimetre of difference in ride height would completely destroy the aero and the downforce that the car created. So they are, really are a great learning tool and a, a real engineering exercise. you still got people like Jimmy Campbell-Walter in, in this pit lane. Warren Hughes, I know, as a driver coach, uh, for someone down there and he'll be hanging about and uh, it does need an experienced hand in the form of a good driver coach for all of these guys and the other thing um, you mentioned you may have mentioned this Paul I'm going to use the term problem as a driver Andrew it was who mentioned Ferdinand Habsburg for instance coming into this season as favourite but what you fail to consider is that you've got a lot of talent mm. coming through the progressive stages from karting, from Formula 4, who immediately are on the pace. And for instance, uh, Ferdinand currently in 11th, and he's got six rookies ahead of him. Yeah, And there's absolutely. a rookie in second. There's a, there's a rookie driver, uh, Fenestras, Vips and Aberdeen in 
second, third and fourth place on this grid so far. Yeah, and um, we've had a rookie win the championship in the past as well, Esteban Ocon for Prima Power Team. I think Prima Power Team have always won this championship, by the way. They are definitely the team to beat. Ten seconds left on the clock. The chequered flag about to be displayed. But Dan Tictum already in pit lane, having set the best sector through sectors one, two and three throughout that session. And you link the, all three up and you get a 151.286. So that's unlikely to be beaten. He's 0.4 of a second clear of Sasha Fenestras and Jürgen Vips of France and Estonia, respectively. But I remember Felix Rosenquist previously in this championship, and he, with every season, was getting closer and closer. But then when he didn't win it after finishing, I think, second or third in the championship, the following season, he dropped down to about fifth or sixth. And there seems to be a sweet spot there that if you don't do it in one particular season, arguably your second or third like you say, there's all these young kids coming yeah, in, making yeah. you feel old. And yeah. you think, I should be out of here it's because like, they're we, getting to grips with the machinery when my season's just going stale. It's like being in a queue, isn't it? And everybody's sort of clawing at each other Johnny? by the shoulder and being dragged back. Let's head down the pit lane. Nick Damon. With our, our fastest driver of the day, uh, Dan Tickton. Dan, um, that's a good way to start the weekend, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you can say that, definitely. Um, yeah, track's a little bit slow this morning, but... Um, yeah, uh, so far it's going going good. I mean, say the track's slow, were you, were you cleaning up the whole way through? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's getting quicker and quicker, to be honest. I mean, uh, I mean, it's nice and cold this morning, which is obviously good for the engines and stuff, but um, the surface at the moment, it, yeah, is obviously, we're definitely off what we uh, predicted. So, um, yeah, I think it's just going get, to keep getting quicker and quicker. So you run a, you, what, you run a, a predictive uh, lap time beforehand based on what, what where do you get the information to, to make that prediction from? Uh, well, the track's been resurfaced, so um, obviously I had to take that into consideration uh, when you know crunching all the numbers for the weekend. Uh, and yeah, I mean we're predicting to go uh, yeah quite a bit faster than what we are at the moment. So yeah. Whenever we come to Silverstone, we speak to a, a British driver. We kind of think, oh, they've been here a hundred times before. I mean, is that a case? Have you driven lots of laps around here, or, or are you kind of like as an international Formula Three driver, not often in the UK? Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I actually haven't done as many laps as you might think around here. Um, obviously, with the McLaren Autosport Award, I did a, a few then, but I mean, that's sort of the the most really. I've had uh, one race in Formula Renault, and and that's it. So it's not not as much as you think. I've had a couple of test days, but no. So. Have you hit the simulator or the PlayStation or the, the full-on machine? Yeah, I've been to over to Motor Park on Monday uh, at my team's base to do some prep. So, uh, yeah, uh, feeling good for this weekend. So, uh, should should be good. And how much work will you be doing between the, uh, the free practice sessions? Will it be much or are you just waiting for the track to come to you? As much as what's necessary. I mean, obviously, yeah, you, you have to... T yeah, it's always in the back of your mind when you're making setup changes. You know what's the track going to do. And obviously, at the moment, we're probably what, 10 degrees colder air temp and 25 colder track temp. So, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change a lot. So, yeah, we'll just have to adapt whatever we need to. Dan, thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Thank you, Nick. Our first 40-minute session, free practice one for our FIA Formula 3 European Championship. That was short break now while we have a look at the times with Paul Truswell. And then we're back on track with these cars again for another 40-minute session. Yeah, I doubt I'll get through all these, actually, before they're uh, back out again. But we'll do what we can. Uh, Dan Tickton, then, fastest of all, 1 minute 51.286. Very nearly half a second faster than car number 11, Sasha Fenestras, who did a time of 151.712 to be second. Third fastest, number 
44, Yuri Vips did a 151.768. Fourth fastest, number 23, Jonathan Aberdyne, 151.849. Fifth fastest, number four, Mick Schumacher, second of the non-rookies, 151.999 for Mick, number four, fifth fastest. Sixth fastest, number 39, is uh, Alex Palou with a 152.100. Seventh fastest, number nine, is Jehan Daruvala, who did a 152.109 in... Eighth fastest was car number 10, Robert Schwarzman, did a 1 minute 52.194. Ninth fastest, number 13, is Fabio Scherer with a 152.201. Tenth fastest, number 8, was Marcus Armstrong. And that's as far as I can get because we've now uh, had the screens set up for the next session of free practice, uh, 40 minutes, uh, which will be starting in less than 30 seconds. And so the timekeeper is just wanting to reset the timing screens. And I didn't take a screenshot of it, so I can't give you any more. Um, so we will press on then with, uh, as I say, another 40 minutes, barely time for the, uh, really just enough time for the marshals to check the circuit is clear. Uh, and then we'll be able to continue. Uh, looking out of our window here, overlooking the start-finish straight um, and reflecting on what Dan Tickton was saying about the attack just being a little bit slow, uh, I think probably the rain that we had all yesterday morning has uh, taken its toll and it was a little bit damp. No question of them using anything but slicks, but it was just a little bit damp when they um, started out. And uh, let's say it just needs a little bit of running in, I think. And once it has done that, um, then I, th I think there will still be some, uh, some improvement times available uh, for them to be able to make. Green flag has been shown and um, the cars will shortly be uh, exiting the pits, although uh, none of them have yet done so. Um, so the circuit ready to be used, but as I say, nobody yet having uh, exited the pits to go out onto it. Um, looking at previous pole positions by the way obviously this session not will not uh, determine that but a little bit later on we'll have qualifying proper and Dan Tictum has taken five pole positions through the course of the year unlike some other championships you don't get points for qualifying all the scoring system based on the race results 25 points for a win 18 for second 15 for third just like the WEC just like ELMS just like Formula One as well so it's a relatively simple points system to get your head around and Marcus Armstrong, who on some entry lists is displayed as an Italian, but I can tell you he's definitely from New Zealand, just races on an Italian licence from uh, time to time. 18 years old, from Christchurch, New Zealand, and uh, won the Toyota Racing Series, the 2017-18 version of that, and has done also quite a lot of racing in Italy, hence the licence rejig, Italian F4 Championship and the ADAC Formula 4 as well. So he leads the championship by just a single point, as we've mentioned. Very tightly bunched between he and Dan Tictum, who we've already heard from. And then 141 and a half points awarded to Ralph Aron. So we must have had, at some point along the way, a race curtailed, possibly because of weather or because of an incident. And therefore, half points were awarded so 141 and a half for the Estonian Guan Yu Zhu, 130 points for the Chinese driver. And then Jahan Daruvala, Indian from, um, I think, Chennai. No, he's not. He's from Mumbai, I beg your pardon. Eight, uh, 19 years old. And he's on another half point, uh, 111 and a half. There are two cars out on the circuit. 
yes, because the green flag has waved. Yeah, the, and, green flag, uh, the green flag waved about two minutes ago. But, indeed. Ju Jang Ju has now gone out. And also Petro Florescu, which, uh, who we heard from or Diana spoke to um, early on in that session, who was hoping for great things. He spent quite a long um, percentage of that session in the pits, did uh, Petro. But uh, he's now gone out onto the circuit. So Florescu, Florescu is now out. Interesting as well, uh, just reflecting on um, what Oliver Webb was saying about uh, really having to utilise your track time. Um, and, um, you know, you, you just get better and better the more you go round and round. You know, it's a lot like oh, I often uh, um, suggest that uh, racing is a bit like playing the piano. It, it's something that the more you practice, the better you get at. And you just practice and practice and practice and just have a little bit more confidence. And that enables you to feel more comfortable pushing to the limit all the time. Um, and I think for some drivers, um, the, the, the um, they, they tend perhaps not to practice enough. And that's kind of why... Uh, um, they reach their plateaus. As we have a sort of little gap here, uh, gentlemen, yes, I've got Jehan Dalava from the number nine Carlin team. He's actually on the pit wall tatting to the engineers at the moment. So there's not a great urgency for the drivers to get back out yet, even though the session is um, underway. Jehan, I was just having, you were having a chat there with your engineers and the team here on the pit wall. Um, what were you discussing and what have you changed going into this session? Uh, we've just discussed a few things I was struggling with in FP1 and uh, yeah, I think we're going to try some things which helped us in previous races and uh, put that on for FP2 also. Uh, we've had a, a mixed set of tyres from Spa, so uh, un until we put new tyres on I'm not sure what the car balance is really going to be, so I'm looking forward to FP2. What were you struggling with in the earlier session? I was struggling uh, with a bit of oversteer, just pushing the entries a bit, so hopefully if that gets sorted I can find a bit more lap time. What else did you find during that time out there to, to give you uh, more confidence going into this session? Uh, I think compared to previous years, the track's a bit more bumpy. So, uh, yeah, that took time getting used to. But, yeah, I think I've learned from FP1. And more importantly, it's such a long lap. I've just put the corners together and then the lap time should be there. Thank you. Thank you. That's very interesting that he thinks it's more bumpy because, uh, of course, since <laughs> he will have last been here, the whole Silverstone has been resurfaced and uh, a lot of the bumps will have been removed. Um, but uh, I suppose it all depends what you're used to. Um, but uh, certainly from the drivers that I've spoken to who have driven here this season, admittedly it is August now, and I suppose the uh, initial uh, resurfacing took place at the beginning of the year, um, or the end of last year, um, that, that, that uh, they were all saying how much smoother it was than in previous years. Well, when we came here in early March, wasn't it, for the Silverstone 24 hours, which was uh, mainly a saloon car and touring car race, um, the problem then... GTs as well. We had 12 hours of GT, and GT racing. Yeah, we did have a GT race as well. Sorry, Paul. Um, but the, um, the problem then, of course, was the lack of grip because of the low temperatures. And we, we didn't really evaluate the surface change. We've since had a Formula One Grand Prix and the times went up, didn't they? Or times went down, the cars went faster because of the new uh, grip level from yeah. the new tarmac. Right, yeah. But uh, we didn't have any uh, information regarding uh, the track being bumpy. Uh, no, absolutely. I think he's um, probably just turned to page 47 in his list of driver uh, excuses and that was the one that came up this time. Um, maybe it's possibly. a set-up thing. Possibly. Slight, slight administrative thing. Yes. Um, we have a timing screen here now which gives you drivers' Christian names. 
Fantastic. That's very useful. So it means I don't have to keep uh, browsing the brochure, which is very impressive. It's a good brochure, yes. Yes, indeed. And often is for uh, the FIA European Championship. Uh, by the way, I have answered my own question as far as the half points round was concerned. It got very, very wet indeed at Poe for the third race of the weekend. I think there was a crash. There was then a safety car and they had to red flag the race before they'd got to the 75% marker and therefore could only award half points. Petru Florescu, one of the early takers then to this second free practice session. Guan Yu Zhu slots into second fastest, but these are times quite a bit off what we were seeing earlier on. So banker times initially. And generally, people are staying in the pits here to make the end of the session pretty busy. Obviously, more and more handcoop rubber going down onto the road surface. Yeah, Dan Ticknam has just gone out. Uh, he's now on his first flying lap. Um, we've also now had Mick Schumacher out in uh, car number four. Uh, he's now on a flying lap, just heading down the Wellington Strait. Uh, and Ben Hingeling is out as well of the uh, guys. And Marcus Armstrong has just left the pit lane as well. So, um, yes, a bit of a slow... I suppose if you are going to use the fact that there is an interval between the two sessions to do something to the car, then then it's going to take you longer than five minutes in order to do it. Mm. Um, so with 40 minutes to go in the session, it is worth perhaps spending a bit of time. Well, Nick and Di have got eyes on down there. And uh, if they can kind of have a look at their various points on the pit lane down there and see if, if we are actually having any kind of work uh, being done on the cars. Di, Nick, are you, no. uh, are you there, Nick? <laughs> That's you? Uh, not much, really. No, the, the, yeah. there was basically what they were using the time for was to get the drivers out and look at the data. So the drivers were, yeah. were, were using yeah. the, the biggest tool anyone seems to have these days, which is the computer. Uh, and they were looking at traces and checking things out. And I didn't see an awful lot of uh, work on the cars at the end I was in. It was kind of, a, let's look at the data, let's wait a bit, let's go out. And I think they're still waiting for the track to come to them. I think it's interesting that the uh, driver that I was talking to said he's running on a second-hand set of tyres. You know, So it's, it's just, let's work out what goes left, what goes right, how far I can push it, and then perhaps use this session to start actually really working out where the settings are but you know realistically in fact the major major things i see is a bit of seat adjustment well uh, and I, someone I, sorting out a brake problem because they had the, obviously had a, a long brake pedal but i've not seen the expected fiddling at the rear end with uh, springs and bars to be honest yeah i don't think they i'm will. at the other end of the Go pit lane uh, gentlemen and the pit in end um and again no the drivers are now in the cars certainly the carlin uh, team have got their one, two, three, four, five guys here. Um, a couple of small adjustments being made, um, but mostly the the drivers are back in, helmets on, getting belted in, and um, I'm firing up as you can hear. Um, and they'll be making their way out now. So just a just a, a, a slight delay here, just getting everything settled. And that that goes to the, back to the uh, what I was seeing at the beginning of the session, where the cars will have been set up from previous data accrued. And remember, you know, we've had some good drivers through this series. Um, Carlin, for instance, Lando Norris's setup is on those cars, and those drivers are told you get, you drive and get your head around driving the car to Norris's setup because we know how quick that is. Now, I'm not really an advocate of that because a car that's comfortable for you, Paul Trustwell, not necessarily, and, and you're able to optimize your style of driving, is not necessarily the way that I'll optimize mine. Ind um, indeed, not. Um, and I think. One of the biggest things that a young driver to, can learn uh, is how to communicate with the team, with the race engineer and with the mechanics about what he wants to be done to the car to make it a better car. Um, because uh, you're 
you're, you're kind of right and you're wrong. If the car will go faster in this setup, then it's up to me to learn how to drive it in that way so that I'm as quick as you, because I may be just a slow driver and I'm, the way I've got it set up is never going to go very quickly. So there is an argument that says I have to adapt my driving style to learn how to drive it quickly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to this discussion point, Paul. I feel we should be in a pub, really. A couple of pints on the table because um, Alan Prost drove a completely different race car to the likes of, say, Ayrton Senna and Nigel Mansell. Prost was a very delicate driver. He liked the car to understeer. Other drivers like the car to oversteer. And if you're the sort, if you're an Alan Prost, um, prime example, Kenny Rosberg, when he went to McLaren in the 80s with Prost, he sure liked the right. car to be loose. I'm sure my age, I know. He liked the car to be loose. Prost liked the car to slightly understeer uh, and I, be more neutral. Joe, and I that's the, what I mean. Sorry, Nick? I think the point, the point that Paul's making, it, this is the key fact. You're going to turn up at a car in as a 17-year-old um, with some karting experience in a large checkbook. And you're going to listen to Trevor or whoever, whoever's you know, running, the, running the F3 team. But part of the education of uh, F3, including setup, is actually learning how to run the team. All the best drivers, when they get to the top, are able to, to command their teams. You know, we've, we've seen the, uh, the, the, uh, the beginning of a long farewell for a driver who over-controlled his teams in F1. And that actually went to his, uh, his judgment. So actually learning to work with people is important as learning to work with the car. Yeah, yeah there's, also the pre- there's, there's also the pressing of pedals and the, tw- and the twirling of steering wheels, though, that you, we said well, we yeah, take yeah, for granted. If you, if, you really, if you really sit down and analyse the, between the good and the great, the good and the great is never pressing the brake or the accelerator. It's always between the ears. It's always between the ears. It's you always, mean the psychology of it it's all? The psychology, and the psychology now in F1, it's not Ronnie Peterson going out and ragging it. It's, it's, oh, being, yeah. it's being able to motivate 170 people to coalesce around you and do your bidding. And then you have to press the pedals quite well and everything else. But yeah, you've already given yourself a huge advantage by having a team behind you. I think yeah, you've no. moved you've moved away from what we were kind of talking about. Oh, and it, it was you who started this off, Nick. It's uh, part of the learning saying, process. Saying you, all, yeah, yeah, but all you, when you said all that you're seeing happening down there is drivers pouring over data. And that's all about, you know, you can gain another tenth of a second there by breaking a couple of metres later or getting on the power more directly through there. You can get on the power earlier. You'll carry more speed onto the hangar straight or whatever, you know. And and that's what I was alert. I know what you're saying. To be a champion, you've got to, you know, you've got to get the psychology right and you've got to have a strong head and certainly to get to the very top. But uh, I think yeah, what Paul no, and I were talking no, about was it, much it, more it's, fundamental. It, it's, all, it's it all goes together, and, 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 and what the, the, it, was, it was me who started the conversation in that uh, in this direction because what I was trying to get over was um, that it is important for the driver to learn how to communicate with his engineer, either that he wants a change making to the car. Uh, or that it's feeling a bit tight at the front or loose at the back or there seems to be a vibration over there. And all of that is one of the things that the driver doesn't have to do when he's in karting or in Formula Ford that he does have to learn as he moves up through the categories. Uh, and that's, as I say, one of the main things that the driver then has to learn. That then leads on to the whole psychology of the team. But so, you know, I, I think that that's the, uh, that, that, that's the point that... Um, you can use the time between the session to do that kind of thing, to talk and say, this is what I'd like to do to the car to make it different. If it's purely down to just me getting my head round it and going a bit faster, then that's so be it. Gone are the days of the driver getting out the car and saying to the engineer, I've got oversteer there and I've got understeer here. And I've got... 
the engineer will sit down with the driver and say, you've got oversteer there and you've got understeer there and you're applying the, you're, you're turning into abruptly there and if you smirk, and X, you know, blah, blah, blah. Indeed. It's, it's the engineer who directs the driver these days. It's so technical. Well, certainly at this level, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. they have to listen, but I think, you know, this, this is the point you were making about, you know, you know, Barry preferring a different car from Manuel, they're both in the same team. I'm sure, as you say, when they started, when they start qualifying, sorry, start you know, winter practice, it'll be the same car. You'd hope they'd have the strength of character to point out that, yes, that will actually do better for us. But as you say, it may well be that they'll, be, they'll initially be overruled. Um, you know, and it, and it is a point, perhaps, perhaps it might be until you are, you know, tracing the line we wish around the track and breaking where you are and accelerating where you are, getting the absolute maximum out of that setup. We are, we're, you know, we're not so prepared to listen to the fact you want it looser, looser, stiffer, less roll, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, the number nine, Jehan Daruvala, hasn't been out at all yet uh, in this session. He was out in the earlier session, but mm. uh, number nine not yet out in this session. Uh, Fabio Scherer has been out and just come straight back in at the end of his outlap, number 13. Um, and the other one who is in the pits at the moment, Sophia Florsch, number 25. Uh, she um, has come out, or has been out, but has now come into the pits, and so uh, she is also uh, one of the guy, one of the people in the pits at the moment. Fastest of all, uh, we had uh, 15 minutes of this session. Dan Tictum again, 1 minute 51.720 is his best time from the session set on his most recent lap. 1 minute 51.796, just seven hundredths of a second slower for Motor Park colleague number 23, Jonathan Aberdyne, uh, and then a further tenth of a second Second behind him on 151.832 is Marcus Armstrong in car number eight. Fourth fastest, number 65, is Enam Ahmed in 151.992. Those are the only ones in the 151s at the moment, four of them. And Robert Schwarzman, currently fifth fastest. And Robert with recent experience in the Formula Renault Euro Cup. So taking a step up from uh, that category uh, into this two-litre formula, Formula 3, which, again, we were talking about the various structures, rather uh, rungs on the ladder in the single-seater sequence to try and get you up to Formula 1, ideally. And uh, Formula Renault still has its place, I would say, just beneath F3 and the EuroCup Championship going from strength to strength. Where it's suffering a little bit is the relevant uh, um, smaller championships within Europe, like the NEC, which is really struggling for numbers this year. But clearly there are some stars coming out of that, and Schwarzman, one of them, currently fifth fastest. We then have in sixth position the number 33 car of Marino Sato, again for Motor Park. So three of their cars currently in the top six. Pramer, maybe not going for outright pace in this session, because I'd expect a few more of their cars to be up there, having taken this string of championships. In fact, uh, there's only ever been one team that wins the uh, FIA European F3 Championship since this series began in 2012, although you can trace it back much earlier than that, of course, through its various forms. So Tictum is clear by 76 thousandths of a second. It's very, very tight indeed at the top of the chart with Jonathan Aberdeen second fastest and Marcus Armstrong uh, more concentrated perhaps in this session on single lap speed than the previous one and Marcus Armstrong therefore on course to score a good few points I would say this weekend to keep his championship bid ticking over nicely he's only got that one point buffer remember on Tickton and it's Mortar Park who seem to be getting their cars to work the best Johnny they've got just counting them up now, five cars in the top ten. 
So 50% of the top 10 are motor park cars. Uh, we've also got um, six rookies, in it, seven rookies in the uh, in the top 10. So um, I know there's, a, there's an actual trophy presented to the top rookie in all of our races. So there is a you know, bit of silverware to go for there. And at the moment, it's uh, Aberdeen, who is currently the top rookie in second place, only 76 thousandths of a second off Dan Ticklem. Ticklem, a, pretty much a rising star. The Formula One have already got their eyes on him. And he's impressed the people in the uh, top level of this sport. So all eyes will be on him as ever this weekend. And uh, he's doing something right out there. He's gone purple sector time in sector one. So he's uh, on course to improve his time uh, even more so. And we did hear one of our pit lane team uh, talk to someone about putting on the new tyres for this session and just seeing if everything works. There will be an optimum lap for the tyres to work so that puts a bit of pressure on these young drivers but uh, keep an eye out on the track because this is where we will be seeing people preparing for and optimising their runs just to see what they can get out of their car I'm not sure anyone will kind of want to keep their their hand a secret as to what they're capable of qualifying for the FIA Formula 3 Championship uh, quarter past two this afternoon a 20-minute session starting at quarter past two, qualifying one. That will um, that will sort the grid for the first of our Formula 3 races. And the first of those um, will be in the morning, uh, 10.25. It will start at 10.25 after our World Endurance Champion free practice. And it will be a 30, is that a 33-minute a race plus one lap. lap. Yeah. Why have we got 33 uh, it's basically to con be contained within a 35-minute window, I think, for TV purposes. So nice. you don't go any more than 35 minutes in that scenario. And I think the idea of having the plus one lap is to remove this, uh, do we put the chequered flag out at the last minute or not? When there's three um, seconds on the clock. That kind of thing, yes, yeah. quite. Um, the um, other thing which I was going to mention, I've now forgotten what I was going to mention. So uh, Johnny was uh, deep well, breathing in as well. I was just remembering, uh, you mentioned Dan Tictum and the fact that he might be on to great things. He won the Macau Grand Prix back in the last year in a very, very strange race when the two leaders mm. crashed at the final corner and Tictum, who was in third position, came through to take the flag. Beat Lando Norris, though, who finished in second place. And Lando would have finished off the podium, of course, had the two ahead of him uh, stayed there. It was... Um, Di Francesco, was it? Yes, it. Um, Who crashed? Yeah, Habsburg but did get to the line, didn't he? That's right. Habsburg in fourth. I think Di Francesco was the other guy that crashed as well. But uh, a bizarre race. I mean, there was also a crazy GT race at Macau last year as well, which resulted in a track blockage. But Dan Tictum is there, nevertheless, with his name on the uh, Macau Grand Prix trophy. And yeah, greater things to come, surely. Although, I mean, Silverstone. 2015, it might have spelt the end of his career, actually, when uh, a rush of blood to the head resulted in a, a moment I'm sure he now regrets in MSA Formula, and he had to sit out British racing for, I think it was a year, as a, as a ban that was served, but he found his racing elsewhere. That, that was for uh, using his car as a weapon, as I recall, wasn't it? On he, Ricky Collard, yes, yes on a, was... behind a safety car. I... I, I... All goes back to that uh, element that uh, Nick Damon was referring to earlier on about the bit between the ears, because uh, that is, um, you know, you, you have to um, use control in all manner of things. Um, I remember what I was going to say, because you were just running through the timetable, 
uh, Joe. And of course, the qualifying time, the qualifying sessions are going to be towards the end of the day when weather conditions are going to be very, very different from what they are now. So you almost don't really want to chase a setup at this point. You want to chase knowing what the car does and knowing how to drive it. Um, temperatures uh, at the moment, I was just looking at the temperature a moment ago, it was about 15 degrees. And now uh, it's uh, yeah, 15.6 degrees is the uh, air temperature, uh, according to Alcamel. Um, and they should know, um, although they're predominantly providing timekeeping services, they are also uh, providing us with uh, a lot of data as well, uh, which includes the air temperature, 15.6, the track temperature at 16.1, humidity at 76%, the wind speed of 3.2 kilometres per hour. Um, So uh, Dan Tick, for the moment not fastest because uh, Jonathan Aberdyne as he has been threatening to do has gone quicker than he 151.534 then for Aberdyne Tictum on a 151.720 just a tenth of a second slower third fastest is Marcus Armstrong number 8 uh, 151.832 fourth fastest number 65 Enum Ahmed with a 151.992 fifth fastest number 10 Robert Schwarzman with a 152.003 and sixth fastest number 44, Huri Phipps with a 152.281. And um, just going back to a point that uh, Joe Bradley was making earlier about the predominance of rookies, uh, out of the top seven, six of them are rookies. Um, and in fact, in the top 10, um, seven of them are rookies. So uh, certainly rookies to the fore. Now, that may well be, Johnny, um, just because the rookies are trying a bit harder, um, whereas the more experienced drivers kind of um, say, well, um, this is a free practice session. I'm learning about the car. Mm. Yeah, there are different priorities for different teams and, and different drivers, I suppose. And free practice only gives you a small window into what to expect later on. But uh, we're again at a natural pause in the session. I sense track's going to get pretty busy in the remaining perhaps pit, only five minutes. But uh, there's always is, this... Pit lane is certainly busy. Pit lane's incredibly busy. <laughs> Just two cars circulating on the track at the moment. And... Uh, Again, you think this is useful track time, surely, to be using, but uh, 22 of the 24 cars are not. And they're all basically having their lovely, fresh, shiny, stickery hand-cooked tyres stuck on. Uh, and, well, surely they're surely they're bolting them on, Nick. Well, it's the world of F3, you know, it's new bonding methodology. Yes, they're being, <laughs> they're being absolutely correct. They are being indeed screwed on with large bolts. Um, and they are all now waiting together so that rather than getting a clean run, they can all have traffic with each other, which is pre uh, uh, the web. So I think, yeah, obviously the, the, the speed of the new tyres was shown by the fact, of course, the, the lead lap was about a second and a half faster than Dan's lap from earlier. But they are all now sitting here doing their new tyre runs, leading as late as possible to get as much track temperature as is. But as Paul rightly says, it'll be nothing like it'll be at quarter past two this afternoon. Mick Schumacher has decided that uh, the right thing to do is to go out. He is the only one out on the circuit now, car number four, uh, the son of Michael Schumacher, in case that's uh, not obvious to everybody. Um, Having uh, just had his 19th birthday uh, back in March and... uh, 
I think it was uh, it was Mick Schumacher, was it not? Joe will know this, um, who uh, got Michael into trouble when he broke his leg because uh, they were out playing football together out on in the garden or something, and the phone rang from uh, somebody at Ferrari saying, "How was Michael getting on with his recovery from his broken leg?" Um, and um, it, it wasn't going terribly well because apparently Michael was supposed to be resting his leg and he wasn't. He was out playing football with Mick in the garden. I would imagine it wasn't exactly extreme contact for what was it? Well, it depends what uh, depends what it's like when you're playing football with your son. Well, that's well, yeah, and it, and the other shoe matters. Uh, yeah, let's head down to the pit lane. Which one of you guys have opened your microphone? Yeah, a like bit more activity down here. Um, Sophia uh, Flosch and the number 25 Van Amersfoort Racing car team has been in a couple of times actually the first time she came in she had had an off and there was a, an issue with the steering there was a bit of a vibration that they made some adjustments to the steering column for her um, and then she's come back in now and they've just um, putting on a new set of tires so she'll be going back out uh, any second now but obviously some delays with that car for her as the others all now fire up again and leave the pit lane down at the pit end um, of the pit lane uh, I have an addition to Paul's half story he just told. Go on, oh, go on. Um, go on. The, the, the full story is that, that um, the I think it was um, Domenicali phoned up Mick to say Michael to say uh, how's the recovery coming on and uh, he got Mick who said yeah it's going great he's playing football which is why uh-huh. Michael had to stop being. Uh, uh, having time off and come back in the car to support Eddie Irvine's 1999 championship bid because uh, he was but obviously about as keen as doing that you know as, as, as we are of doing a, a session in minus 75 degrees centigrade and he was kind of I think he may have been going oh yeah it's not it's, it's nearly there boss nearly nearly um, and then when he found it he played football he went no right you're back in the car <laughs> <laughs> that's the acid test isn't it <laughs> comfortably do uh, some keepy-uppies and uh, why not be driving a racing car too. Yeah, I'm sure there's no sliding tackles in the back garden, was there? Uh, yeah, possibly not. Yeah, you never know, though. Intensely competitive well, like, family. Like, like Trusser says, exactly. Like the fascio competitive dad. Can you imagine having a dad, Michael Schumacher? It's like, you know, <laughs> no, yeah. Dad, can I, when are you going to let the kids win, Michael? When they're good never. enough. <laughs> never. Uh, yes, indeed. So uh, Mick Schumacher with a lot to live up to, but he has won a race this year, the last time out at Spa-Francorchamps, as we mentioned with Paul Trustwell a little earlier on. So that could be the start of something mm. heading into, as we are now, the second part of the season. They've had a little bit of a break since that Spa 24 weekend where the F3 cars were in support. And uh, now on to another cracking race series to be in support of. It's been a very, very competitive season, hasn't it? We've seen a myriad of, of drivers winning races. And it's not someone who's come along and, and just completely dominated like we often see in uh, in open wheel racing. But it's been, they've shared, they've certainly shared the love. And certainly, at, for instance, at Zandvoort, you had two race wins for Ralph Aaron. Mm. And uh, there was another uh, double winner at the Hungaring. Uh, Enam Hamed won the second and third race. But other than that, it's been shared. Uh, uh, Guan Yu Zhu won the first one. Then we had Sasha Fenestras winning the second. Ralph Aaron finished the third. That was at uh, Paul. And then Tiklum Ahmed Ahmed. And then we've uh, we've got quite a mix. Ralph Aaron's in there. Dan Tiklum's in there. But really, Mike, Mick Schumacher hasn't been anywhere near um, a, a victory until the last time out at Spa. So, like you say, Johnny, um, this might be a, a bit of a resurgence, or they might something might have just clicked. They might have just gotten, found that sweet spot, and here we are at Silverstone, a circuit that he knows very, very well. At the moment, though, Mick Schumacher isn't um, looking towards um, a first-place finish 
certainly in in qualifying uh, and subsequently on into the race because at the moment he's 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 lying in 14th place in the prima theodore racing delara mercedes engine in that car uh it's uh, jonathan aberdyne who's gone quickest the other motor park runner top rookie jonathan aberdyne and top driver at the moment and he is in the volkswagen engine delara of motor park and the dan Ticknam car also motor park delara volkswagen is in second gap between those cars 0.186 of a second so just under two tenths of a second between first and second so far all gets very serious though this afternoon different ball game altogether because it's all about qualifying this afternoon we might not be seeing we might be seeing people uh keeping their powder dry this morning and like paul said it's going to be different weather conditions completely by quarter past two that's when the the heat of the afternoon is at its height or it's going to be um it's certainly going to be warmer than it is now uh, two qualifying sessions, isn't it, today? And from the first of those, uh, we glean race one's grid in a very uh, standard procedure. But then in qualifying two, two fastest laps we have to get from that. Your fastest and your second fastest. And that will decide where you start races two and three, respectively, this weekend. So arguably, the second session is more important. And uh, you need to not only go quickly on one occasion, but two and uh, careful not to damage the car in the process. So Jonathan Aberdyne, fastest, although Dan Tictum starting to turn up the wick now. He's gone quicker through the first sector than the South African driver. Marcus Armstrong is sitting in weight third fastest in car number eight. And then fourth fastest is the, uh, as we go, uh, another change actually, Mick Schumacher going to the top of the time. So leaving it, Pretty late in the session, as we were talking about him. He was listening, wasn't he? He must have been. It's like uh, I virtually said, I implied, Mick, come on, get your finger out. And he really has. He's got his finger out and gone fastest, Johnny. So great effort that for Mick Schumacher for Prima Theodore Racing. It is a 151.408, and that puts him 0.126 of a second clear of Aberdyne, Tictum, Marcus Armstrong and Ina Markmed from Robert Schwartzman. Yuri Vips, Sasha Fenestras is eighth fastest, Marino Sato ninth, and then Fabio Scherer, the Swiss, is tenth fastest in car 13. Uh, clock ticking, seven and a half minutes remaining in this second free practice session for the FIA Formula 3 European champs. And uh, next time we see these cars out on track will be for the serious stuff. First qualifying session, quarter past two, a 20-minute session this afternoon for these cars. And that practice uh, that qualifying session will uh, form the grid for the first of our FIA European Formula 3 championship races at the moment though it's uh, very tight it's been a very tight season and a change at the top again in fact a change Mitch Schumacher has gone down to fourth Johnny I think this is the serious stuff now yeah we're seeing uh, the teams now really um optimising their runs. Dan Ticknam has gone to the top of the timing screens of the 1 minute 50.988. He's got a gap of just under four tenths of a second. That's a huge amount of time for Jonathan Aberdyne to uh, look for. 1 minute 51.369 is his time. And then up into third has gone Sasha Fenestras in the first of the Carlin cars. A, another, it's Delara Volkswagen, 1, 2 and 3. Uh, another change as I speak, Mick Schumacher de- demoting Sasha Fenestras down to fourth, and Mick Schumacher moving fourth to third, and his time there, a personal best, a woman at 51.385. Uh, very tight between second and third, but Dan Ticklam really did 
put the time in there. And if that uh, if that's where he wants the car to be for this afternoon, that boards well for him and not so much for others. Yeah, Tictum, uh, the only car now in the one-minute 50s, only just a 150.9. And as Joe says, 0.4 of a second, just under 0.4 of a second is the gap. Tictum back to Jonathan Aberdyne. Sasha Fenestras now goes third fastest with a 151.385. So the gap's now between second and pretty much seventh place. Very, very tight indeed. It's just this uh, margin that Dan Tictum has which is nearly four-tenths of a second. That's mammoth, considering how tight this category is. Aberdyne, Fenestras, Mick Schumacher and Ralph Schwarzman is the order. And uh, Guan Yu Zhu, the first race winner of the season, is currently in sixth position. Five minutes left on the clock there. And there's a little bit of discrepancy between our two screens here. So I say we go with the Alcamel one. And Fenestras has gone to second now, Johnny. Is that what you've just said? Uh, he had gone third. He's now yeah, gone he's even gone, quicker than yeah. Aberdyne. Yeah. I think that's more of our timing screen catching up, I think. Might be. Because he, he didn't have time to do another lap before he went from third to second. So uh, at the moment, we've got him in second place on a 51.277. Um, he's half a second off Tickton's time, though. Hmm. That's incredible. One minute 50.821 as Dan Tickdom goes even quicker. Daniel Tickdom in the number 27 Delara of Motor Park. He's gone even quicker and that's just going to demoralise everybody behind him, isn't it? Well, they that's think, they, they think they're getting closer and yeah. uh, then all of a sudden Tickdom goes faster by a further tenth. So best part of half a second now he has on the rest of the field with Fenestras second fastest a 151.277. Jonathan Aberdyne at 151.3, Mick Schumacher 151.3 and 151.4 for Robert Schwarzman ahead of Marino Sato and Guan Yu Zhu. Drivers perhaps further down the order that we were expecting a little more of. Well, Inam Ahmed, 14th fastest and Ben Hingley for that matter, the two British drivers for high-tech Bullfrog GP. Ahmed was well up there in the earlier session, so they may have priorities elsewhere. Sebastian Fernandez, the man with dual nationality, both uh, Venezuelan and Spanish, and he drives for Motor Park this year in the Volkswagen-powered Delara. That car is currently 17th quickest. Sophia Flersch, 21st in car number 25. But, to be honest, in the top 15... They are just about the drivers I had expected. Any more shuffling of the order at the pointy end of the field? It looks like not. Marcus Armstrong has just done some personal best sectors on that lap, though. So 151.3 remains his best time. He's half a second back from Dan Tictum, and there are two minutes and 50 seconds still to go in this second free practice session of the morning. And... I wonder whether that might be it now for Dan Tictum. We'll wait and see, because even if somebody else behind him was able to improve, I'm not sure they're going to be able to improve to the extent of half a second. There's going to be a continuing fight, though, for second fastest in the session with the two rookie drivers, Fenestras, Armstrong and Aberdyne, cars 11, 8 and 23. Um, well, it could be any of those three that finish second fastest in the remaining couple of minutes both are circulating and Jonathan Aberdyne's now done his personal best 
first sector, a 34.6. Also looking to improve is Marino Sato from seventh fastest in number 33. The 33 car carrying the black and red colours of Motor Park. Another driver with dual nationality, both San Marino and Japan. So Sato, quicker than he's managed in this session so far. Inam Ahmed on to potentially something good as well as Jonathan Aberdyne goes second fastest and gets the gap at the top of the screen down to just two, uh, 0.3 of a second. So he's managed to slice a tenth off there with a personal best through sector one and an absolute best through sector three. Marino Sato looking to finish his lap and improve from seventh position. Let's see what Marino can do. Due across the line at any moment, exiting club corner and also set to improve on this lap, I reckon, Inam Ahmed in number 65. Yes, Inam goes ninth fastest and Marino Sato doesn't improve, stays seventh in car number 33. And Dan Tictum, far from happy with his speed so far, goes even quicker through the first sector, a 34.4 through that first segment of the lap that takes them down to just beyond entry and the loop at the start of the Wellington Strait. Sasha Fenestras also uh, turning up the wick. We've got uh, only half a minute left on the clock then, and I reckon this will be Dan Tictum's final lap of the session. Already somewhere into sector two, Sasha Fenestras can't be very far behind him. And look out for Marino Sato, who's going to have one more stab at this as well. Cars streaming across the line right now will be permitted to finish the lap they're about to start, unless they start a lap in 20 seconds' time, because the chequered flag will be being displayed then. Where has Dan Tictum got to? Somewhere in that final sector. He's done a 34.4 through sector one. The middle sector is not too shabby either. And going even quicker on this lap, uh, Yuri Vips as well. Sasha Fenestras pulls out an absolute best through the middle sector too. So chequered flag is now being displayed. This will be the last tour then in free practice for Daniel Tictum. And it certainly appears that the 27 car is well and truly in the groove because he's gone faster than anybody through the final sector as well. So the best lap of the session so far, a 150.7, but a tremendous time from Jonathan Aberdyne brings the gap down to, well, it was just under three-tenths of a second. It's now just under four-tenths, although Fenestras goes across the line to slot between the two of them. So Sasha Fenestras does a 351.119, thanks to PBs through sectors one and two there. And now the gap is about three and a half tenths between Daniel Tictum. But as predicted, nobody was going to go quicker than Dan in free practice. And that is ominous for qualifying later on today for the young Brit. Fenestras looks to be finishing the session second fastest then with a 151.119. And Jonathan Aberdyne a 151.144. So that's a very, very tight margin between the 11 and 23 cars. Just three hundredths of a second and Robert Schwarzman fourth fastest by the flag Marcus Armstrong fifth quickest and Mick Schumacher coming home sixth fastest gentlemen I'm with the number 27 motor park uh, team on the pit wall Timo team manager uh, taking a screenshot here as we chat of the times that must be uh, you must be happy with that start to the day certainly for Dan yeah very good day uh, so far still a lot left <laughs> 
armor is good, good free practice, pace is good. So let's see what qualifying brings now. What feedback did you get from Dan earlier on during the sort of gap between the two sessions? Um, track was pretty green. Um, that's what he reported. So um, um, still improving. Times are a little bit down on what we expected. So I think the, the track will rubber in and then should be a bit different for qualifying. What changes will you make ahead of qualifying for, for certainly for Dan and, and the other drivers? Um, let's see, we analyze the data now, see what they say. And uh, so far, pace is good, so I don't think it will be a major change. You have a lot of experience here, certainly running at Silverstone. From your perspective as an ex-driver, how do you describe this circuit? I know it's changed a bit since you probably raced here the last time. Uh, always happy to come to Silverstone. It's a great venue, it's a great track, it's a driver's track, so we're always very happy to come here. Um, and uh, it's quite enjoyable and produces good races, which is also important for the spectators. Is that still a massive plus, the challenge and the excitement of uh, another race and, and achieving everything that you can? Uh, yeah, of course it is. So we're doing this since 20 years now, which, <laughs> yeah. It can't be 20 years. I'm sure I'm not, it's not 20 years, is it? It, it is, <laughs> it is. And it's uh, it's a bloody long time um, and, and more to come. So, uh, But still, Silverstone is always a highlight. Uh, always happy. We always had good results here. So we are kind of kind of spoiled from, from the uh, circuit. Uh, we won here with the GP2, we, we uh, won with the F3, uh, Formula Renault, so it's always been a good place for us and we're always happy to come here. Expectations always high then? Of course. Absolutely. Thanks for the moment, Timo. Binksy down there in the pit lane. Nick Damon is at the other end as well in readiness for further interviews. But that might be better, hey, actually, for our coverage of the FIA Formula 3 European Championship, at least for free practice anyway. There is a further session for these cars, which will be qualifying later on this afternoon. 2.15 is qualifying 1 uh, through till 2.35 to determine the grid for race 1 this weekend here at Silverstone. But for the moment, th my thanks to the whole team here on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Be sure to join us later on for more Formula 3 action. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.